0: Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. Oh, fantastic. You know, it was one of the patriarchs. He was on the run. He'd made some mistakes, but he encountered God. and This is what he said. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I'm just standing there with you, worshipping our King. And that's just come over and over to my heart today. Surely the Lord is in this place. And if you are new, and as Pastor Craig's already said, if you're joining us online, let me tell you something. God wants to meet you. He wants to speak to you right where you're at. If you're here today, check in this out. I didn't think church was like this. Well, not every church is, but our God never changes. And He is here today. And welcome. Welcome. People of the first service, the real Christians, come to church early. Look at you. And some of you just right now have got a major problem with pride, so just let that go. Why don't, I'm going to let you guys go. You were amazing. Thank them. Thank them. Grab a seat, everybody. Ten years. Pastor Craig and Nadia, they know we have been big fans forever. Um, you know, I knew them when they were... Young youth pastors doing dynamic things for Jesus back in Auckland. And uh, I heard a long time ago that they were heading this way. And I was happy for Melbourne. I was happy for this nation because they carry something very, very special. And to see what God has done. This facility, I celebrate with you, but I now have a major problem with jealousy. And uh, so be praying for me because uh, it's, it's a real issue now. I'm going to go home and um, have to process uh, But it is magnificent. Well done, life. Well done, Pastor Craig and Nadi and the whole team and everybody that was part of it. It is magnificent. And 10 years, um, it's awesome. We've been out um, just having dinners and just talking about how good God's been to you all. And uh, I'm I'm excited. Kind of wish I could be here at the party tonight because I like parties. Um, But our Christmas it's spectacular starts. We've got three weekends in a row through the various campuses, and it starts. We arrive in Brisbane 45 minutes before it starts. So, um, let's just pray for Qantas right now. Amen. So, um, uh, and, and Pastor Craig and Nadi were kind enough to release us from tonight, but uh, we're just going to have fun this morning. You good with that? We're going to open the Bible in a moment um, to the book of 2 Samuel. I love the Bible. It's the, only bio, it's the only book on the planet where the author promises to turn up every time we open it. And uh, we're going to open it. We're going to let his Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. But before we do that, I just want to let you know that I have the ultimate Christmas stocking filler right here in my hand. There he is. Look at that guy. Um, during COVID, I was approached by the people of the Bible Society who also own Kurong to write a book which has kind of been my life message for men. In it, I tell the story of my own dad who was the town drunk. The son of a family that already had three marriages, which when you think about it, nearly 100 years ago, that's a big deal. And uh, my dad was the town drunk, in trouble with the law. And one night he was standing without shoes, without shirt, out in an open air meeting, listening to a bunch of Christians just share their hope in Jesus. And the preacher got up and preached for a few minutes on this simple text, the claim of Jesus, whom the son sets free is free indeed. My dad was broken. He was suicidal. And he listened to that. And as the band began to sing, come home, come home, all who are weary, come home. He walked across the street and people thought, there goes Alex again, he's going to pick another fight. He got to that little truck and he bowed his knee, gave his life to Jesus. And one decision changed an entire family line. I have this strong conviction that our life is not determined by our postcode or our genetic code, but by decisions we make. And this book, um, I wrote it, and then I rewrote it. I took everything academic, all the research out of it, and I filled it with stories, and I filled it with fun that'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry. Um, I'm being stopped on planes and by people in streets and churches and conferences, and they go, hey, mate, I bought your book. It's one of the few books I started and finished, and uh, we're getting emails from people all around the place. for me, I think if we can help men, we help families, we help families, we help communities. And so, uh, I'm gonna be out there for a few minutes. If some of you like like me to sign it, that's, that's fine. It's another $10 if I do. Um, it's out there. It's also on Audible. Some of you like that, that that platform. It came out just a couple of weeks ago. I read it myself. Did my best to sound like Morgan Freeman. and. Uh, and it, it's, it's come up amazingly. And uh, early next year, we're going to release some workbook studies for men to have conversations. Um, Lynn and I were in a little country town doing a regional gathering just a couple of weeks ago. And this lady came up and she says, i got to tell you something. You've got to stop saying it's just for men. Because I had problems with my own father. And this has helped me. And she was in her 80s. And so if it helps you, that's great. Uh, It'll be out there in the foyer. The team have got it. And that is absolutely magnificent. Are you ready to open the Bible? Okay, here we go. In 2 Samuel, uh, I'm going to give you a, a quick fly through this passage. It's an amazing narrative that involves a Philistine, a princess, and a king. You're going to see how they all figure in this amazing moment, and and let me tell you, I I really felt the Lord put this on my heart a few days ago, and being there uh, helped pack. I, I I put Ben's rice. That if you if you see that that was me, Ben's rice. Row two, that was me. I was on the line with you packing boxes yesterday. And, and, and I, I was so excited about what is happening because we weren't just sending boxes to people in this community. We were sending them hope. We were sending a message that there is a God that loves them. And I want to share with you for a few minutes a thought around what happens when God comes to town. David loved the presence of God. We've got the book of Psalms. Most of them were written by him. And some of those Psalms came when he was out in the the fields looking after sheep. Other times when he was in a palace, sometimes in good times, sometimes in rough times. Even when he made some of the, the most hideous mistakes of his life and he committed gross sin, he realized the one thing that he needed was the presence of God. And he penned this famous psalm, Psalm 51. Look at verse, verse 10. He, he cried out to God because he wanted his presence. He wanted his glory. And he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast, some versions say, a right spirit within me. Hear his prayer then in verse 11. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. He couldn't bear the thought of living without the presence of God, the work of the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So when he becomes king, it's, a, it's an interesting history. He becomes king of all Israel. It was a divided nation, he brings it together. And when he becomes the king of Israel, he, he has one priority, and that is to bring the ark. You know you, you know Raiders of the Lost Ark? It, 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 it was the focal point of the tangible presence of God amongst His people, he said, "You know what? Our nation needs the tangible presence of God. God's not just a feeling; He's not just this buzz in a moment in a meeting. He is real, and He wants to be with His people." And David said, "Oh, uh, uh, my nation needs the presence of God." So he he makes it a priority to bring the Ark back to His people, and his first attempt is an utter disaster. We're not going to go there today because it's quite a tragic story. But basically, they said, "You know what? We'll do." How about we do this? Let's get God and put him on a new wooden cart. Failure. Terrible failure because, you see, God's never meant to be, you know, um, mechanized. He's never meant to be subcontracted out. Let somebody else, let someone else carry Because the presence of God, catch this, was always meant to be carried on the shoulders of priests. Guess what the Bible tells me? In the book of Revelation, you and I have all been made a kingdom of priests. So guess what? No longer is the ark just a thing. No longer is the presence of God just something caught up that it's someone else's or something else's responsibility to bring him to the city. No, it's on us. It's on our shoulders. It's our responsibility to take him to our school, our college, our neighborhood, our workplace, wherever we go. We're carrying his presence. So attempt number one was a failure. They learned some mistakes. King David calls time out. In verse 9, Now we're into 2 Samuel. David was afraid of the Lord that day when he saw the mistakes they'd made. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? And he wasn't willing to take the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. Instead, he hits time out, pauses the whole process. He thinks, what are we going to do? We can't live God out here in the weather. He looks up the street and he sees a letterbox. obed the Bible says he takes it to the household of Obed-Edom. He knocks on the door. He says, excuse me, would you mind if we leave God in your house? obed brings him in. Now, what's interesting about obed he wasn't one of God's people. This is what stirs my heart, even with what's happening in this season coming into Christmas. He was an outsider. He, the Bible says he was a resident of Gath. In fact, the Bible calls him a Gittite. It's not a terribly polite thought, is it? it was, you know, you're a Gittite, you know. He, he was a resident of Gath. Now, some of you that have been reading the Bible for a little while recognize that town, Gath. It's where Goliath was from. It was a place of intimidation. It was a place that caused God's people to uh, experience all kinds of problems. But now there's something happening into that community. The presence of God is coming, and there's redemption coming to a place that once brought brought problems and pain and intimidation. And Obed-Edom says, sure, bring him in. So they bring the presence of God. Look at what happens in verse 11 into Obed-Edom's house. Because here I want you to hear me say, the presence of God... The glory of God changes everything. It changes everything. The ark of the Lord remains in the house of Obededim, the Gittite, for three months. Here's the great line. And the Lord, read it with me, blessed him and his entire household. Wow. God was in his place. You see, when God comes into a house, when God comes into a community, everything changes because in his presence there is joy. In his presence there is life. In his presence there is freedom. The Bible tells me Jesus declaring in Luke chapter 4 that where his presence is, there is favor. There, there, things begin to happen. People begin to see his wonder. Obed-Edom's house, Obed-Edom's family was radically changed. Favour, I mean, let me tell you. His fruit, his grapes were the size of oranges. His oranges were the size of watermelons. The neighbours are talking, what is it about obed Something's changed. Oh, my goodness. He, he, he was a farmer. His livestock. Oh, his sheep had to be sheared every week. His cattle, he milked them flavoured milk. It was amazing. Everything about him. His kids, his kids every night begged to do their homework. Never fought on their way to church. Volunteered, mom and dad. You just relax. We're doing all the housework. It, it, come on, how many can believe for that? I know. Some of you go, that's a miracle beyond my capacity to believe. It can happen when the presence of God comes into your house. Can you imagine what a season that was for that family? That's the story of my family. It's the story that I've written. The presence of God changes everything. David begins to hear what's going on. He says, you know what? This is the message of Christmas. This is the message of this weekend. We can't keep this to ourselves. We can't keep it isolated in one house. And David says, we've got to bring it back to our city. This is where it gets interesting. An outsider, which most of us, I don't know how many people in this room were born in Israel, but most of us weren't. We're called Gentiles. Yeah. We're the outsiders. That God came to us. Yeah. And when we simply opened the door, everything changed. Yeah. Now there's a knock on the door. We want the ark back. What did Obadietum do? We haven't got time to go there today, but if you want to have a look at a couple of books later, there's a book called Two Chronicles. Yeah. You'll realize that Obed-Edom was so touched by the presence of God, he never wanted to be away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And Two Chronicles records the history and the generations that followed one man and one household. obed his sons, his grandsons and their sons, 62 in all, became Musicians and gatekeepers in the house of God. We serve a God of generations. We serve a God of generations. The Bible says he wants to bless up to a thousand generations. I declare that over my kids, over my grandkids. Blessing and favor. And It doesn't come through magic. It doesn't come through religion. It simply comes by opening the door and saying, I want to live daily in the presence of God. And Obadidim was a glory chaser. You went after the presence of God. And this morning, I want to honor every parent that's brought their children to children's church. The Bible tells me in Psalm 92 that if you plant if planted in the house, you're going to be blessed, even when you're old. I, I, when, when I'm old, I'll tell you about that. An old person for the rest of my life is someone a year older than me. <laughs> Says you're going to be flourishing even in old age when you plant planted in the house. Because let me tell you, mums and dads, You single parents, you're absolute heroes in my eyes. You got up this morning, you were tired, you still got the kids dressed, and you brought them to the house of God because you made a decision. It's it's not going to be TikTok. It's going to be the Bible that determines my kids' worldview. It's not going to be a secular society. It's going to be the presence of God that shapes their lives. Amazing. And David, he just knew that was the reality and he wanted that blessing that was on that household to come upon his city and to come upon his nation. Is that your prayer? Yes. Oh, God. So verse 12, David's told about it. The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because, say because. because. It wasn't magic, just the presence of God. Yes. Because of the ark. So David went up to bring the ark of God from the household of of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. This is where it gets really, really interesting. When God comes to town, things happen. The first thing that you'll notice when the presence of God begins to come amongst a people, firstly, there's rejoicing. Verse 14, it says, David was wearing a linen ephod, And he was dancing before the Lord with all his might. If you come tonight for the 10-year anniversary, Pastor Craig is going to show you what that looks like. In an ephod. It can't be live streamed, let me tell you now. Amazing. You know what King David was saying? You know what? I'm a king and people respect me for who I am, but, but let me tell you something, there's a king greater than me and I'm going to take off everything that's supposed to impress everybody because the attention's not on me, it's on my God and he deserves praise. So he takes off the out, outer garments and he just begins to dance before the Lord in priestly wear. Bible says he was dancing with all his might. I love that. I love that. Everything. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Anybody here a good dancer? No, I'm not. I'm not. You, you know, when we, when we go to weddings, you know, they love you know, the bridal waltz, and they always say, let the pastor come. It's like, oh. Not so long ago, I was at a wedding, and you know, we're doing the waltz, which is for me, it's kind of like this. And I said to myself, I'm actually getting pretty good at this. A moment later, Lynn goes, you know, you have no timing. Um, I was surprised I stood on a foot four times. But let me tell you, there's something about just letting God have our very, very best. David, the Bible says, just danced before the Lord with all his might. He was passionate. I tell people, if people don't know what your passion is, you probably haven't got one. My passion is Jesus and everything that looks like serving him with all my might. It was noisy. I fear for some people. I just don't think they're going to enjoy heaven. Heaven's not like a library. Bible says around the throne there's going to be gazillions of people crying with a loud voice. Worthy, worthy. We we had a little bit of practice this morning. It was noisy. The Bible says he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark with shouts and with the sound of trumpets. Wow. You might be used to a church that was a little quiet. And if it's a little different to you, just just come for the ride because you're going to find out there's a reason why people are letting the noise out. They're so glad for all that he's done. something else that happens verse 13 when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf see the glory of God invokes radical generosity when when, when the presence of God is amongst His people you, you don't have to beg them to volunteer I saw that with my own eyes yesterday. When the presence of God is in the house, you don't have to beg them to practice biblical stewardship. No, no, no. No. Hey, giving back to God something that, that is an expression of our gratitude, that comes easy when you've been captured by his presence. When the Holy Spirit's at work amongst these people. Yes, we're more than willing to give to a God who's given so much more to me. Every six steps, some Bible says not just, not just the first six. Many Bible teachers say it was every six steps along the journey. See, generosity is not just one off. I'm smart enough to know you don't have facilities like this unless some people are generous. But that's not the end of the journey. (laughs) It's next week and the week after and the week after because we're bringing God to our city. Can, can, Can you serve here? Yes. My time, my treasure, my talent, it all belongs to him anyway. So I'm gladly, willingly giving it back to him. We give to God, but you know what's really cool? We don't just give to him because I see when the presence of God hit the early church, the day the church was born in Acts chapter 2. The Bible actually tells me that people were selling things, doing whatever they could so that everybody within that community had everything they needed. King David did that. Verse 18, after he'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the Lord Almighty. Now, verse 19, he gave everyone a loaf of bread, even the lactose and uh, gluten intolerant <laughs> got a special cake over in the corner. They got a cake of dates and a cake of raisins. He said, there you go, that'll keep you regular. And off they went. Everyone went to their own homes. Here's what I'm hearing. There is something very special that the Holy Spirit is doing in the earth right now. There is, and, and God always starts in his church before he starts working outside. And in the church across this nation, I'm hearing story after story of extravagant generosity. Firstly, to the Lord. You know, our church has just come off 90 days of a passionate pursuit of the presence of God. Three months it was a redefining, resetting of the whole spiritual tone and life of our church. And in the middle of it, we've seen some of the most radical miracles. Just two weeks ago, I got a text from one of the people that hardly anybody even knows. He spoke to me, said, can we talk? I said, yes, we chatted. And he spoke to me, he said, you know what? The Lord's just told me to literally invest so much into the house. I've been doing this, being a leader and a pastor for 42 years almost now, and it's the single largest one-off offering I've ever received in my life. And this is happening in moments of the presence of God. You're captivated by it. You're captivated by it. Generosity comes naturally when the presence of God is amongst His people. David had a wife. Her name is Michael. She's a different case. Can you spare a thought for David? He's had the time of his life. Party to end all parties. Then he goes home to face the music. Now I don't know whether you're a golfer or a fisherman, you're into some hobby, you're into some sport, and you're home a lot later than you promised. Now this has never happened to me, but I know someone that has. (laughs) And you walk in the door and the temperature instantly drops 20 degrees. Spare a thought for this man. (laughs) And understand that people that are hungry for the presence of God can often provoke critics. Don't worry if people call you a fanatic. I had a mentor when I was a young youth pastor. His name is Winky Prattney. And one day I said to Winky about someone I said, oh, they're a fanatic. And he looked straight at me. He said, Wayne, do you know what a fanatic is? I said, no. He said, it's someone who loves Jesus more than you do. Maybe the last time I used that word. Michael. Verse 16. The ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. It was a narrow window because she was a narrow-minded person. When she saw the king, King David, leaping and dancing before the Lord, listen to this, she despised him in her heart. She became very cynical. Now, in fairness, this woman had her own story and her own pain, but she let her pain and her disappointment isolate her from what God is doing. Can I beg you, friend? No matter what someone's done, no matter how you think even God may have failed you, don't isolate yourself from him or his people. Don't isolate yourself because this doesn't end well. David returns home. Michael this. Daughter of Saul, it says in verse 20, comes out to meet him. Can you, you, can, you can hear the tone of her voice. You can see where her eyebrow is, up here. <laughs> How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Did you notice what's happening there? She's starting to judge his motives. You know, Lord has been really doing a deep work in my heart. And here's one of the big thoughts. Don't dismiss what you don't understand. People are passionate, in quotes, fanatical. Don't dismiss it because they're, they're expressing their appreciation to the Lord their own way. Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't be cynical. A couple of years ago, I was at a, a, a citywide prayer gathering in our city in Brisbane. And uh, I was there, I was going to play some part in leading that event. And I was standing uh, in an area where those of us that would lead were off to the side. And, and, and all of a sudden I heard, whoosh. What was that? It was somebody doing a spirit dance with a big banner? Oh, Okay. Then another one came. And next thing, somebody blows a shofar. <makes noise> so I, I started taking a couple of photos. And I sending to my mates. I'm going, Have a look at this. Weirdos. And after I sent the text, you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? It was an outdoor event in the middle of June in winter. It was cold. And I'm laughing at these people expressing their passion for God. The Holy Spirit said, at least they're here praying while all the cool kids are home watching TV. I sent a text to my friend, delete those photos. I apologize. I don't want to end up like Michael. I'm not gonna... There are people who love Jesus that do church so different to us. They still love him. I don't understand. I don't even agree with all of their theology, but one day we'll get to heaven. And when we do, first thing we're going to be is glad we made it. Yes. Yes. And secondly, stop wondering about the things and worrying about the things that divided us once. Upon. They won't matter as we, oh, we're in the presence of our God forever and ever and ever. Yes. Michael wasn't involved. Friends, let me tell you don't stay on the outer participate when God is coming into a moment. Get involved. Enjoy it. Allow him. And sadly, the worst thing and the saddest thing you could hear about Michael is this. It says in verse 23, the daughter of Saul, Michael, had no children. The day of her death. It's possible that bitterness caused her barrenness. She's criticizing King David. But I want you to see how he responds to her criticism. And with this, we're about to close. Verse 21, David says to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will, say this with me, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. (laughs) And I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. All of you that participated in this Christmas box project, I want you to hear this because I'm speaking to this right now. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Listen, Michael, you need to hear me something. Say this really clearly. I know who I am. I was just, I was just some, some kid shepherd boy out in the field and nobody saw anything on me, but God did. I had brothers taller, more talented, but God wanted me and He chose me and He called me to the kingdom for such a time as this. Is anybody encouraged by that? That God wasn't, didn't have to be impressed by our size, our talent, our bank account. He just called us because He loved us and He needed us to get on mission. And in that moment, God anointed him with his spirit. He was changed forever. That's my story. I'm a skinny kid from a country town called Mandubra. 600 residents. Blows my mind that God would even dare consider this. But like you, he called me to serve him. Doesn't make us arrogant. In fact, it should make us all the more humble. I looked in the mirror today. I thought, God, are you serious? But I know who I am. And I walk with him. I says, sweetheart, you need to hear me say this. I'm going to celebrate. Because my God is worthy. And you think, I was a little crazy today. Sweetheart, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to sing louder, dance harder, raise my hands higher because, let me tell you something, it's not about me. It's about him and he deserves all the praise. Oh, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself because um, it's not about me. Those slave girls you talked about? They're honour me. For this one reason, I brought God into their situation. When they were hopeless, I brought hope. When they were bound up, I brought the presence of God and He sets them free. When they had no joy, I brought Him and His presence. And in His presence, there is the fullness of joy. They had no hope. But now they do. So don't be critical. But you don't understand. Because when God comes to town, everybody and everything is changed. See, I celebrate with you this opening. I'm so proud of you. I love it. As a leader of a movement, I love it. As friends of Pastor Craig and Nadia in this house and Pastor Paul and Marie and, 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 and the whole crew at Life, I, I, I'm so grateful. for. Let me tell you something. This isn't the end. It's the beginning. We don't, this Sunday's not the end of the week. It's the start of the week. We get into His presence. We're priests. His presence gets on us and we take Him wherever we go this week. I have a concern for some churches as they think this is the end game. No, it's the launch pad. This facility is the launch pad. I have a missiologist that I have great respect for. His name is Ralph Winter. This is what he said. Until the future of the world matters more to the church than the future of the church. The church has no future. And I got a feeling I'm amongst a community of people that get that. Community needs Jesus. Lynn and I were just last couple of days in Alice Springs. See where we've got a ministry. You drive around that community, you think. I met with the police chaplain out there just a couple of days ago. He said, Pastor Wayne, the pain in this community is beyond description. He teared up and he said, This is not a cliche. The only answer is Jesus. But it's the only answer for your family, too, and for your neighbors, your school and your college and your workplace in the city of Melbourne and beyond. We need to bring God to the city. That glory that David brought was the same power that came on Jesus, the same power that came on the early church. It's the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says of that glory that we carry. He's anointed us to help the bound, the broken, and the blind, the slave girls. I prayed this morning for the people that opened those boxes. Slaves to domestic violence and poverty and addiction bound up by their shame and their regret. And my prayer is, oh God, I pray they would see more than the contents of this box. I pray they would see in it a tangible expression of a living and loving God. And you made it possible. Because you did what you could to bring God into their community. And I wonder this morning if you'd stand. God is in this room. I wonder if you'd open your hands right now. I bless you as you start a new season as a ministry. I pray with you over every one of those boxes that went out. I pray over the Christmas production. I pray over every opportunity that you have, that you would recognize that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That you've been raised up. You've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And I bless you and I bless your household. I pray that you'd never ever satisfy for anything less than his glory. pray that with the power of the Holy Spirit upon you, you'd have through your own personality in your own unique way, a boldness. to bring the presence of God to the slave girls and the slave boys in your world. I pray you'd have the joy of seeing so many set free. We declare that breakthrough anointing over this house. We declare a season of unprecedented evangelism where lost boys and girls and men and women find the wonder of Jesus. And I agree with you that this is not going to be mechanized by some cart, by some church program, but by you, carriers of His presence, people of His glory. Today, if you're in this room, and if you've been bound by addiction, whether it's things in a bottle or things on a screen, My prayer is that you'd get free. God is in this room right now. And if you just, no one's looking around. It's not spectator sport, but I wonder if how many just place your hand on your heart and say, "Oh God, that's me. Bound by pain. The presence of God is here to heal. Place your hand on your heart. Somebody in this room, some mom or dad right now, I began to talk about households and generations and your heart began to ache. You say, God, I want to see my kids come to you. God, I'm believing for their salvation. If that's you, place your hand on your heart because I pray over you and your household. As for you and your house, we believe you're going to serve the Lord. Salvation's going to come. And I pray, I today speak the power of God. I speak freedom. I speak life. I declare salvation for your house. I declare favor upon generations. I pray over your body. I pray over your mind. I pray over your household. Today, I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. Let the Spirit of God work in your situation in a miracle working way. Pray the fullness of His power be upon you. (laughs) Let me speak to you, my friend, online. This is real. God is real and God loves you. You're on a journey right now. Keep that journey moving forward. If you're in this city, you won't find a more loving community of people than right here at life. I hope one day you feel comfortable to join. If you're unable to, pray this ministry, even online, is such a, a source of life and encouragement to you. To everyone in this room, just can we bow our heads? Your pastors are going to come and share how they want to help you. But as I share this morning, maybe even before I got up, a song that was sung. Something that was said. The story of my own dad. A hopeless, suicidal alcoholic. One decision. I say to people, if you don't like your family tree, plant a new one. Plant it in the most fertile soil of all, and that's the love of God. Some of us are bound up. Our mind can't escape just this sense of shame, disappointment, and regret today you say could I somehow get a new start yes you can it's all because of the one who Pastor Craig spoke of a few moments ago the one who hung on a tree and his name is Jesus all that he did meant that our shame our sin and our past can be dealt with and we can move forward with a brand new start the Bible calls it it's a beautiful thing calls it being, it's like being born again today whether you've been in church for a while whether you once did it, you were once part of a kids ministry, a youth ministry, you were once part of another church, but something happened and you and God drifted apart. Maybe for the first time, you're ready for the first time. Say, God, I need you. I don't understand everything about you, but I come to you not because of who I am. But if you'd even let your presence come to an enemy, if you'd see a little shepherd boy out in the hill, Perhaps you can see me right now and you want to come to me. So I'm just gonna open the door of my heart and say, come in and change me. If That's you, whether you're online, put your hand on your heart if that's you online. If you're in this room, just raise your hand. I want to know who you are. Say, first time ever. First time in my life. I just, for the first time ever in my life, I want to say, God, I need you. Come into my life. Just raise your hand up real high and say, Yes, that's me. I need, I need that today. First time ever in my life. Good on you. If you've done that or you wish you had, why don't you place your hand on your heart and tell your neighbor right beside you. Just nudge them. They're going to pray with you. Maybe you didn't even put your hand up. Maybe I didn't see you. But in your heart, you want to do that. Place your hand on your heart. May you know God's love, His acceptance, and forgiveness all made possible because of Jesus. And we bless you in His name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. So good to be with you today. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.